Welcome to Dodgers Homestand, your behind-the-scenes look at what makes the Dodgers Stadium experience so special for baseball fans and ball players alike. A unique perspective on Dodgers baseball from someone who's there for every home game and who has one of the best seats in the house. And now, your host, the public address announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers, the voice of God in blue heaven on earth, Todd Lights. Hello and welcome to another special road trip edition of Dodgers Homestand. The boys in blue are in Milwaukee to play the rubber match of a three-game set against the Brewers. And I've got a little time on my hands, so I thought I'd continue my conversation with Dodgers team historian Mark Langell to give you the rest of our interview from a couple weeks ago. Mark says that I'm on a relatively short list of public address announcers for the Dodgers, both in Brooklyn and in Los Angeles. Absolutely. You've got uh, Tex Rickert from Brooklyn days, and he was the one that had the famous, uh, if you have your uh, clothes on the railing, please remove them, or something like, some, some malaprop in terms of, please remove, you know, those by the railing, please remove your clothes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, if you're a Charlie's Angels fan, John Forsyth, the, the, the voice of Charlie, he was a public address announcer. Uh, at Ebbets Field, and if you're a Gilligan's Island fan, uh, Alan Hale Sr. not only was a broadcaster, but at some point did public address announcing as well. Wait but a minute, Skipper from Gilligan's Skipper's Island? Father. Skipper's father. Skipper, Skipper's father was an actor, and so he he had a hand in both. And then uh, was that back in Brooklyn? That's back in Brooklyn because in Los Angeles you've got. Ladies and gentlemen, the great John Ramsey, who did every single... I don't know if John Ramsey was ever home because it was the Lakers, it was the Rams, it was the everything he did, the, the booming voice of John Ramsey. Uh, and then you had... Uh, I wasn't here for John Ramsey, and I, I, re, I regret that I wasn't able to experience him firsthand. Well, the thing I loved about that in 1974, if you go on YouTube and see the introductions of the Dodgers and Oakland A's before the World Series, you can really appreciate that voice. Because it just it just had a certain tone, and, and as a kid, you just knew that it was, you know, it, it was just such a royal way that he that he did it. And I should mention, I absolutely love the way you do it, and every generation has its different voices. So whether it's Nick Nixon, whether it's um, whether it's Mike Carlucci, and then the crazy thing, Eric Smith, Eric Smith came up to me opening day, and said, I know you. How do I know you? I go, your fa- my father was your business ed teacher in high school. I said, old man Smith. I mean, Mr. Smith was your teacher. <laughs> it's your father. We got other nicknames <laughs> exactly. for him, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but that's, that's the fun part for me because to be able to see behind the scenes, whether it's Helen Dell, Nancy B. Hefley, Dieter at the organ, to be able to see behind the scenes what you do, that's what makes it fun, too, because one of the, one of the first books I ever had uh, that I always checked out at the middle school library was something called The Ballpark, and it was a day in the life of Fenway Park, and it was a real eye-opener to see behind the scenes as far as the first day, the organist, the trainers, the washing of the uniforms and everything like that. And that's, that's so important, too, as far as teamwork, because you talk about the front office, but whether it's the public address announcer, whether it's the music, whether it's the parking attendants, whether it's uh, the people that sell the food, all of those touch points are so important for fans, and it's you have to have those strong links to have a wonderful chain, and that's why, and I have to tell you, not just because you're interviewing me right now, but uh, your voice, your delivery, and the way you go about it, um, you know, you could just, as a, as a team historian, you could know that somewhere John Ramsey is smiling, saying, yeah, 
I mean, yeah, that's the way it should be done. Well, I'm going to have to check out that YouTube. I, I, I actually intentionally didn't go back because I, I wanted to just be myself. And when I first came here, I, I said, okay, I don't want to make people go, who the heck is that up there? But as, as the, the seasons progressed, I, I started to try to incorporate my own style because like Vinny always said, all you can be is yourself. And so purposely didn't want to, I didn't want to ever imitate anybody, just wanted to do my own thing. But I think at this point, I, I'm pretty solid in, in how I want to approach things that I can go back and really enjoy what, what John Ramsey did. Because I would probably say he's probably the giant of PA announcers in, in this city, this area. Well, but just like John, just like whether it's John Ramsey, whether it's Chick Hearn, whether it's anybody in the public forum, Vin Scully taught everybody and he was taught by Red Barber. You know, you're only as good as your last game in terms of preparation. You just don't show up. We're doing this interview long before a Dodger home game. You, I know you just don't show up and suddenly you're given a live mic, you always double check pronunciations and pronounce the lineups and everything like that. Uh, it's just like Sue Joe on our social media in terms of you have the reach to millions and millions of people. You're just not going to wing it just because you've done it for a very, very long time. You can't do that. I do not want to uh, have my cataract surgery and have the doctor mail it in that day. Oh, I've done thousands of these. Mm -hmm. And so that's the most important thing about being a pro. So I know uh, you've done it a long time and you're comfortable, uh, but you would never. Uh, you don't want to get complacent. No, you can't. And because it's a very, it's a big privilege to sit in the catbird seat here at Dodger Stadium. Absolutely, as Red would say. Well, and the most important thing too is it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, you want them to win, but your job never changes because it's it's a privilege to be here. The fans are coming here. And one of my favorite things is maybe 10 minutes before the game to, if I'm on the escalator, to see the looks on people's faces because it's not the DMV. It's not a hospital waiting room. It's not something like, oh, why am I here? They have that look of anticipation, whether it's a kid that just scored, he got the food he wanted, or he got some souvenir, uh, or somebody on a date, or just, you know, a family night. Those are the looks on the faces that just reinforce all the time why people want to come to the ballpark. And it's one of those things, too. We can't talk about politics or religion anymore, but we can argue all day long what's going to happen this summer, or we can go back and talk about a particular play in the past or, or something that happened maybe five years ago and still debate either what went right or what went wrong. That's the fun part. Uh, we just love to talk about it. Yes, we do. Baseball and Dodger Stadium can be something of a sanctuary for those of us weary of American political discourse and all the many problems of the world around us. It's an escape in some ways, a place where all seems right with the world. Langell tells me he's so happy he found his place here at Blue Heaven on Earth and has some words of wisdom for all of us about finding our own passion in life. It's so important to be able to find something that you love to do, listen to that little inner voice inside of you, um, because if you can find it and find something that you love to do, or at least aspire and try to go into that direction of something that you love, it is so rewarding because... Um, I know myself and I know that I'm probably the only one in the world that is, has an interest. Like just the other day, I was looking at the 1976 roster and I go, you know, there are a lot of guys that retired or were, were, were released and never played afterwards. And, and I'm thinking to myself, why does the makeup of the 76 roster and guys that had their final major league season there, but that interests me. I don't know why. Jim Lytle, a pinch hitter, and Lee Ron Lee and, and, and things like that. I, I just never get tired of it. Mm. 
You'll never work a day in your life. I never have. I'm so knock on wood in terms of that's what a math teacher, Mr. Ukrapina, in uh, high school had said. He wrote, um, uh, he wrote, if you if you find a job you love, you never have to work. And the other thing was um, some other motivational thing. But he turned around and he said, you're you're not going to have math class today. For some of you, it'll just be a half hour without math. For others, it'll be the most important speech you ever hear. And for me, it was the most important speech because he talked about his two brothers and how they did their certain things. And, and when a, a grown-up talks to you and says, it's okay to pursue your dream, it's fine. You know, you can be the only, and I tell kids, you can be the only one in the room that's interested in something. Sometimes the hardest thing is to raise your hand if somebody asks for a volunteer as far as to, maybe it's to be a scorekeeper for a basketball game or, or something that you're really interested in and you don't want to like, show your peer group, oh, I want to look cool, I don't necessarily want to jump at this, that's what you do want to jump at. Because if you've got that little voice, it, it can be so rewarding if it, if it pays off. Well, that's, those, are, those are words of wisdom, and it's so true. We all focus on the ball players and stuff, but there's so many other things that people do here at the ballpark that we are connected to the Dodgers. We are part of this giant city, this giant machine that, that, that operates all season long. And it's, there's so many different things that you can do. If you're interested in baseball, you don't have to be a ball player. You could be an umpire. You could be a PA announcer. You could be the team historian. You could be, you know, you could be the guy that throws peanuts. Or used to be able to be the guy. He can't, he can't throw peanuts anymore. Can no, he? you just have to, like, say thanks for coming and quietly hand it to him. Yeah. Um, but, and, I, and I do have to say how, how amazing a baseball reach can, can be because you did something for me a couple weeks ago that, that really, as far as it's like throwing the stone in the pond and, and seeing the, the waves go out, a great friend of mine named Margaret Lee said that she was going to have a, her first grandchild, and she knew the kid's name already. Aaron Ibarra and so I had that and I saw you the next day and I said would you mind doing a tape recording and suddenly it was like you jumped into a phone booth and came out of Superman just as far as the way you did it the delivery and everything like that and and a week later she texted me and said that Aaron had come into this world and within a minute I was able to send her the video that you had done as far as introducing Aaron Ibarra, the latest member of the, now I'm imitating you, the latest member of the Dodger lineup. And uh, I know that wasn't a good impression, but... You, it, it, you can work on that. Thank you. Th I, got a, <laughs> I got a gargle. Anyway, what it meant to her and her family in terms of, oh my gosh, he's just been born and it feels like he's a major leaguer and that type thing. Something like that meant so much not only to their family, but just the other day, there was a, a nine-year-old that had written the PR department. He's doing a report in North Carolina. Could you send me some info on the Dodgers? Well, you got to think, okay, if I was nine years old and I wrote to a team, which I did, if I saw something in that mailbox, you know, how would I feel? And so I think you can never lose that feeling. And that's one of the things I did this morning as far as a uh, had written a note, but uh, here's some trading cards, here's a wall schedule poster, here's a yearbook and everything like that because... Well, that was like a treasure trove to that kid, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. And you want kids to know, and maybe he'll remember down the road as far as, you know, a kid being listened to as far as, yes, you can write to a company. Uh, it's all those, it's like when you hear those stories about a kid writing to the president. The president writes back and it's national news. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's uh, you, you just can't lose that uh, that type of feeling that you did as a kid. So 
uh, I so appreciate what you did, and Margaret appreciates what you did, and one day the great Aaron Ibarra will look back, and uh, who knows if he'll be an agent, a ball player, an owner, but... Or insurance sales, Exactly. You know, but it, how cool that he's got that message from the day he was from the day he was born, just yeah. right, welcomed right off the bat. By the way, I can do that kind of thing for you, too. Just go to cameo.com slash Dodgers underscore PA underscore announcer. And book me to give a shout-out to your favorite Dodger or baseball fan. I've got more than 225-star reviews from fans just like you. But enough about me. Let's get back to Dodgers team historian Mark Langell and his favorite story about the late, great Vin Scully, who called Dodger games for 67 seasons from Brooklyn to L.A. before retiring in 2016. First of all, be careful of meeting your heroes because you can always be disappointed, and it wouldn't have been a dream job. Had I not met Vin, and he just turned out to be just everything I thought he was, just as far as just a solid pro, but just such a nice, nice man. And just imagine the day that he retired, and uh, they had the Vin Scully night, and I'm actually in the booth next to his chair, and somebody was like, why don't you sit in his chair? And I'm like, why don't I get struck by lightning? I'm not touching that chair. But he had told his crew in case the, and he was so down to earth and, you know, it's just dragging, kicking and screaming. Suddenly, you know, he's going to be the, he's going to be the, the honoree on the field and on the monitor in front of his scorebook, suddenly there he was. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's not a baseball game. It's Vin and Sandra, you know, side by side and he's about to be introduced and it's kind of like, kind of like the last scene of Pride of the Yankees where Teresa Wright and Gary Cooper are there before he's, and so he had told his crew look at my finger because if I feel this is going on too long I'll give you the sign and just imagine twirling your finger and so during the ceremony wrap it up (laughs) during the ceremony the grown men are crying the cameraman the stat and everything like that I'm looking they got tears down their eyes and it's just like something out of a movie because one of the guys has the binoculars, and all of a sudden, in the middle of 56,000 people on the field, his little finger twirled, <laughs> and nobody could pick up on it except for one of the guys in the booth that had these strong field glasses. And, and suddenly he yells out, he did it, he did it, he twirled the finger. <laughs> and, and then they were just so happy because just imagine this, this moment to end all of moments, and Vinny's given the little secret that's wrap like, it up sign yeah. to five that's, guys that's in enough, the booth. That's, that's enough. enough of me, even though yeah. I'm Vince Gully. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I loved. When it all came down to it, and you think about the great Vince Scully, I think about on Vince Scully night, him giving a secret, twirling the finger. Humility. Uh, exactly. Wrapping it up to the five guys in the booth. Yeah, and you look at that picture out out in the, the concourse of him getting the medal. Yeah. He, he looks like, oh my gosh, they're, this, they're making too much of a fuss of me. Yeah. And I remember my father-in-law was like that on his 90th birthday. He was from that World War II generation. And he just... and. and Carl Reiner was was standing at his back shoulder and he was talking about what a great agent my father-in-law Mike Zimmering was and Mike looked like it looked like he was dying because he could not stand to be celebrated in that way that just was not part of his makeup yeah. and you see I saw that same look on Vinny's face yeah. as President Obama put that presidential medal of freedom over his over his neck and it was you know for some people that would be the highlight of their life yeah. but for Vinny it was just like no. He's so humble and so down to earth that, that, that it's only me. It's o- it's I'm on- just a man. It, it's o- it's only me. And uh, when I got my championship ring in 2020, 
remember when Vinny had caused chaos because he had lost his World Series ring at Costco. And for an hour, even if you lived in North Carolina, you went out in your backyard and looked for Vinny's ring because it turned out that it had fallen into a pack of meat. So he was so embarrassed because everybody's doing the SOS like an Amber Alert for this ring. And it was in his bag of meat that he had taken home. And he called back an hour later and he was very embarrassed. So I couldn't help it. He had already retired, and this is 2021. So I've got this big old ring that looks like a golf ball. I couldn't resist. I got a little piece of plastic because I wanted to be a sanitary. And I was at Costco, and I put it on a pile of meat at Costco. And so I gave him, with the caption, the photo, trying to be like Vin Scully. And so, because I knew he had that type of sense of humor. Yeah. 9.01 the next morning, it was like a really brief text. And he says, are you trying to rib me? <laughs> and I just thought it doesn't get any better than that. And they don't come any better than Vin Scully as a sports play-by-play man, a wonderful storyteller, and a first-rate human being. He's one of my idols and has missed each and every time I hear the words, it's time for Dodger baseball. Well... That'll do it for this special road trip edition of Dodgers Homestand. Thanks to Dodgers team historian Mark Langell for his knowledge and perspective and love for the history of the great game of baseball. The Dodgers get a day off before returning to the friendly confines of Dodgers Stadium to begin a six-game homestand against the Padres and the Twins starting on May the 12th. Make your plans to join us. I'm your host, Todd Lights, PA announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is Dodgers Homestand. And we'll see you at the ballpark. Thank you for listening to Dodgers Homestand with stadium announcer Todd Lights, taking you behind the scenes at Chavez Ravine and giving you a bird's eye view of Dodgers baseball, both on and off the field. Join us for our next episode, and if you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts.